Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two members of the Joel Embiid prayer circle. What's up, Sarah and Jean? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Jean. Uh, hey, fellow parishioners. Uh, we're gathering together to uh, lift Joel's sore knee into the light and, and, and put good vibes Pray to whatever deity you like for uh, for his health and speedy recovery. Uh, I am Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders, where I try to be a little less blasphemous. And you can find the show at Potadelphia, where I make no excuses for, for blasphemy or not. And uh, I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And generally, I am a orthopedic agnostic, but um, I am... Uh, feeling uh very spiritual at least uh in the short term special um, shoes so, for that church yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah yeah special shoes special uh all sorts of special uh um sleeves braces okay. um lots of velcro basically we're keeping the velcro business and uh i gotcha nice. profitable so uh, you can find me, as I said, at Producer Gene. You can find the show at Potadelphia because we're still doing this dumb bit. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> what dumb bit? Um, before we get started, I just want to make um, and uh, I, I would give an explanation for my wardrobe choice today. Uh, I'm not wearing any sort of Brooklyn Nets uh, inspired cap or anything like that. I just came back, literally just came back from coaching a Little League baseball game, and we are the Brookline uh, Rays. So I'm not uh, throwing any support in the way of the Nets tonight. Go go Seas, which I very rarely ever say. So, um, oh, who just went yard? Sorry, we got the Phillies game on uh, here as well. Um, oh, McCutcheon just went yard. Uh, all right, so we're going to start off the show today talking about um, whatever that was in the Sixers game last night. So obviously the big story today, uh, you know, Embiid goes down with an injury early in the game. Uh, he only plays 11 minutes. Sorny still radio silence from Camp Sixers about what is going on uh, with Joel Embiid. What, what are we all hearing? The last I heard, uh, this was as of 5.30 Eastern time today, was that he is listed as questionable for tomorrow's game, uh, Wednesday the 2nd. Um, he's questionable for that game, and that was on the official NBA report or whatever, again, due to sore, a sore knee, knee soreness. So, okay, is that up or down from um, doubtful? I, That's oh, more likely to play than doubtful or less? If I was more careful with my words, I would say it would be more likely to play, but I was I was wrong. I used questionable and doubtful interchangeably. I okay, saw that so he was listed still as doubtful. doubtful. All right, that yeah. was like uh, what Woj reported, uh, right, that he's doubtful. So to me, uh, the, when I... When I um, you know, put the tea leaves out, and I, I look at that. That to me says he's okay, right? Uh, but we're going to be uh, overly cautious. Like if this was a game seven, he'd play. To me, that's that's the way that sounds. And I'll be yeah, honest, maybe maybe I'm the the pessimist of the of the bunch. I don't think you would see Joel Embiid again in this series unless it gets to a game seven. I think that we uh, we need well, to depend on. Um, the guys that we've got without him um, to try and close this out in game five or six, which I absolutely truly do believe that if there was a series where they could knock off uh, a team without Joel Embiid, this is the series that you want to do it and be overly cautious and not bring Joel Embiid back too soon where he may, this seems like the kind of inner injury where he's going to favor uh, and do things that he doesn't normally do. Um, and that's where you get those sorts of injuries where you have like those sort of like reflexive injuries or uh, injuries that uh, Dr. Keith would be probably better at explaining this than I am. Well, we um, don't know what it is. I would have had, I would have an ankle injury because you're, you're not, you're not, you're overcompensating for what you already, you know, where you have actual pain. Yeah. I mean, I would have put out the Dr. Keith signal, but I mean, I'm sure what he's going to say is I have no idea. Like they haven't 
said anything. I have no idea what to go on. It's got right knee soreness. That could mean like a multitude of different things ranging from, you know, it's fine to, yeah, this is going to be something that continues to linger, you know, not just in this series, but the, but the next one. So it's like, you know, we really don't know. I'd love to have him on next Tuesday. Well, hopefully I would not love to have him on next Tuesday because that means it would still be like a talking point or, you know, something that we need to bring up. Um, But like, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm seeing (laughs) two triple burgers and he's good. Um, I'm feeling very confident that we, without Embiid at home with a little bit more leveled out refereeing, like we're not going to have any trouble, uh, dispatching the wizards tomorrow night. Oh, oh yeah. I, I was very comfortable thinking that they would, you know, win the series. I I wasn't certain, you know, okay, we'll just do it in five instead of doing it in four. Um, but that's good to hear. I, I trust your judgment better than mine. I'm, yeah, my concern with Embiid being out is not beating the Wizards. My concern is what's his health going to look like next round and, you know, God willing, the round after that. Well, well that, I mean, that's why it would be lovely to get this series over with not deal with this crap anymore and just have a little rest time um while the the Knicks and the um the, hopefully the Knicks can you know win at least another game here and and force us to a game six and and you know hopefully even to a a game seven so I I just don't think I got some I got some support here yeah no trouble tomorrow night and I think if they had a game plan going in knowing that they weren't going to be with Embiid uh Again, it would have been it would have been an easier an easier night, and it was just like it was like such like a shit like a shitty like uh, set of circumstances that like like a series of unfortunate events that like all lined up like the stars all lined up for the Wizards uh, last night uh, that they were able to pull this off and you know run around that run around that arena like there's some hot shit um, because they, they took us down when our star player goes out in the first quarter. Well, it's going to be a different story when you come into Philly, all, all arena restrictions are off. We're going to rip the lid off of this, uh, Wells Fargo center for the first time in, you know, a year and a half or whatever. And, and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be bananas. I need to know who's ringing the bell tomorrow night. Hmm. Uh, and it's going to be full throated vitriol for the wizards, uh, from whistle to whistle tomorrow night. I know it. Gina, yeah, I think that, that was that was one of the things that, like you, you sort of brought up. Um, this is not a team that is inexperienced in playing without Joel Embiid. They've done it a lot throughout the course of the season. I think partly, not necessarily in preparation for this. I think ideally you'd want to have him for every game of the playoffs. But uh, in the event that he was not available, they do have uh, enough depth in other places that they can sort of adjust their offense, and um, you know they can change up the rotations to sort of compensate for the fact that he's not going to be on the floor. Um, I think that they have to um, come out and be prepared to not um, let up. If they can jump on the wizards early, they have got to not step off of the throttle. Um, They can't have one of those lazy second and early third quarters where they are allowing a team to become, you know, maybe they've got a 15 point lead and they let it, get down to like five or six um, when the second unit's in. I think that they've got to sort of play this as if it's a true elimination game as far as Doc Rivers' rotation is returned. I think maybe he goes to eight men. And, um, you know, I will say the bright spot from the game yesterday was was Tyrese Maxey for me. I'd like to see um, them find a way to, to, to use his offense again, um, sort of the way that things worked out yesterday. Um, I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody that's been watching the Sixers all year. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I think tomorrow is uh, in a situation like this when you're a Sixers team that's a number one seed. I don't want to call it a must-win, but I think that you really need to put your mental, strategic focus on getting in there tomorrow, getting the job done, and getting the hell out of this series. Yeah, I think it's going to be completely like business-like um, tomorrow night. They're just going to go in there and just take care of business. And it's not, I don't think, I don't think the game's going to be close. I don't know what the line is. I'd be willing to lay mm, six or seven. It probably won't be as high as it has been in previous games with Joel, 
uh, you know, with the, the questionable status for him tomorrow night. But I, I'm fully confident that they're going to take care of business. Um, let's see. Oh, hey, Sarah, uh, Sarah, uh, comments <laughs> on here. Thoughts on Hackabed, uh, which was like a big, um, like a big, to me, it was a big nothing burger in the game. Uh, it was like, oh, look at this thing that they're employing here for 20 seconds um, that sent Ben Simmons to the line. You know, I think it was like 2.34 left in the game until the two minutes, the final two minutes um, before they would get uh, an away from the play penalty. Um, so it sent Ben to the line. I think um, I think he got six free throws and he was like a 50%, 50% shooter for, for those. I, I don't think it had a major outcome in the game, but it was something interesting. What are your thoughts? I was surprised when I learned just how little they did it because to me it felt excessive. And then I saw, well, he went three for six. I'm like, okay, so they only fouled him three times. Uh, At the the time it felt excessive. And I think I, I didn't have a very objective view of it. It felt like it didn't just feel like you know, strategy for an outmatched basketball team, it felt like disrespectful. It felt like, hey, Joel's out. We're going to make Ben prove he can beat us and kept sending him to the line. And, you know, for a game that right before that was in reach, it it, it really... But I don't feel like it was out of reach after it was over. Like with two minutes left in that game, it was still winnable at that point. But it didn't feel that way. That's what I'm saying. It's I had a very hard time being objective in that moment because it really felt like it, it, it felt disrespectful and it felt a bit helpless. Now, you know, going three for six, that's, all right. I mean that that's one and a half times, you know, going up the court sort of thing. So it's it, it in the calm light of day, you know, in the clear light of day, I felt differently. But at the time, it felt I hated it. It felt disrespectful. It felt chaotic. Well, I, from a fan perspective, I'm like, this is weak sauce. Do you want your team winning in this manner? It's not a championship. It's not how a championship team goes out and proves itself and wins games. So obviously, you know, you're a slimy eight seed. You're trying to worm your way into not getting swept. You'll do anything necessary. It's obviously, you know, it's a, it's a tactic, but it's certainly like to me, it's like, Oh, so my team can't stop the Sixers uh, from going down here on a possession that we have to, foul Ben Simmons on and rely not rely on our success, but we're going to rely on your failure to win this game. And that's to me that, that does, I don't, I don't want my coach playing that way. It may be, um, I don't know. Analytics may say that that's the way that, uh, you know, is, is best with to play that game, but I'm sorry. We, <laughs> I just explained that inside joke. Sometimes we call it analytics annie lennox uh so uh you know walking on walking on walking on broken glass really that's your go-to for annie lennox sweet dreams are made of these yeah i mean i really think something from the eurythmics catalog well that's what i didn't want i wanted to do something from the solo okay career as a you know if i'm you know okay whatever okay so okay Uh, but I'll be honest. Uh, I, th- I think the bigger story may have been today. Doc Rivers coming out and basically saying we're going to leave Ben Simmons on the court. Well, so hold on. I want to talk about. Gonna, I want to get there. I want to get there. But I want to talk about Annie Lennox for a second because <laughs> Annie Lennox actually says not to foul Ben Simmons. And you know, we talked about this a little earlier today. There is something called the Hackulator on the uh, internet that you can, if you Google Hackulator, you can find, and um, it will tell you, you if you put in how much time is remaining. Uh, what you're trailing by and the person you are fouling's uh, free throw shooting percentage, uh, it will tell you if you should foul this person or not and send them to the line. Uh, and if you put in uh, last night's scenario into the hackulator, uh, it does say do not foul Ben Simmons in that 
case. He is a uh, he is a 61% career uh, free throw shooter, and you would need him around 25% to make the calculation work out in your favor. Uh, so it was not it was not analytically correct to foul Ben, although it may have trended that way. Anyway, uh, sorry, Gene, your point about Doc Rivers today. So, uh, I mean, I guess he was asked either last night or, or today about, I guess, I think it was last night. Oh, yeah, about, that's what I'm you know, talking is about. The, is the idea um, to take Ben Simmons, you know, to sort of counter the, the hack of Ben, to take Ben Simmons off the court and you run a rotation that doesn't include him. You know, you put Tobias and, you know, some other combination of, of players that that are higher percentage foul sh- uh, shot shooters in those situations, and basically Doc Rivers is like Ben. Ben's going to be on the court. That you know, I mean that that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to change how we finish games. Uh, I'm not going to take Ben's. You know, the way I understood it is I'm not going to take Ben Simmons what he brings uh, as a defender uh, and the other things that he does off of the court just to prevent the other team from fouling him. Um, sort of as, I guess, a vote of confidence. I mean, what else are you going to say about your star player? Uh, you're yeah. going to say, like, absolutely, I need to make sure that I get him off the floor next yeah, time but, so that he doesn't lose the game for us? But why does Doc have to be an ass about it? Like, it's a valid question to say uh, – it's a valid question to say, hey, would you consider changing your strategy at all with, like, two to three uh, three to two minutes left in the game if this is a strategy they're going to employ? And Doc goes – well, I'm not taking them off the court unless you want me to take them off for the entire game. And if you do do that, then I know you don't know anything about basketball. It's like, whoa, 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 yo, horse. That's not what I said. All I said was, what are you going to do in this instance? Because, you know, if Ben wasn't on the court, they wouldn't have done it. So, you know, I I don't know. It's, it's a question worth asking, and I'm not saying bench him for the entire game, obviously. Yeah, and – Asking the question isn't necessarily even advocating for it. I mean, so many times, but it's just doing their job. Yeah. Well, and so many times, you know, journalists like, like to say, Oh, we're the mouthpiece of the fans, you know, and this is a scenario where, yeah, there's a lot of people watching this game who would have had that question. And I, I was one of them. I didn't want them to uh, pull Ben off the court. But at the time, I was growing so frustrated with it that I was thinking, like, well, do we just get him off to go, all right, stop that, and we'll we'll get him back in under two minutes? Um, but the, the question should be asked. You know, now for, for a crappy journalist, for, for people who, you know, have their column three quarters written before they, you know, go to the press conference, well, that's not great, but it should be part of your due diligence to go, Hey doc, did you even consider this? And the answer, you know, can be no, of course, yeah, but not then, you have to beg, then you have to beg Nolan Patrick to admit that he was concerned about headaches while he was playing. Oh yeah. You're welcome. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that, but fine. What at the point <laughs> to do it responsibly is Sam Carcitti uh, did not. Um, right, right, right. It was, I listened to, we, you got a little of it, so now you're going to get it all. Okay, um, open it the was, door. It was the, you know, getaway day, and Sam Carcitti asked AV, he asked Chuck Fletcher, and he asked Nolan Patrick, hey, guys, you know, how how hesitant was Nolan early in the season about getting hit? You, you can tell he didn't want to get hit. AV said, I didn't see that. Chuck Fletcher said, I didn't see that. Nolan Patrick goes, I don't know, maybe, I guess. And then that's the crux of like three stories. And, and then we get a 1,500-word article about it. Yeah, and and, yeah. and people I respect going like, oh, well, you saw that Patrick said he, he was wary early in the season of getting hit. And he really didn't like someone put those words in his mouth and he's like, yeah, I guess. So there, there's a difference between that and asking the question. It's a good question to ask, you know, just like it was a good question to ask Doc Rivers. But if there's no story there, then there's no story there. You right. move on. You cover the next thing. Despite whatever you've written before the before the press conference. Exactly. Uh, after a year of watching Doc Rivers press conferences, I will tell you, I I am a, become a much firmer believer in the camp that Doc Rivers used press conferences to communicate 
uh, things as much to his players as he does to the uh, to the fan base. I think that a lot of the things that he says where we scratch our heads and are like, why is he taking such a, a hard stance or why is he saying what he's saying is as much because he sort of is trying to take that take the heat onto himself so that he becomes sort of the, the lightning rod or the story rather than reporters going to Ben Simmons and being like, do you think you should come off the court or trying to take his focus away from what he needs to be doing? Doc's like, I'm going to say something that may come off, may even be outrageous with the idea that I'm going to become the narrative. I'm going to become the story. And I I'm just think you got to be careful. More. I think you got to be careful because it, you know, you may come up in in the future where that scenario is going down and it's not going to be round one when you're up three Oh against the wizards. And it's going to be, you know, you're two, two against the nets or you're uh, you, you know, you're trying to win a championship uh, and it's the last two minutes and, and, you know, then what are you going to do? Um, you know, in which case, I guess every, this will all be water under the bridge at that point. It's like, who gives a shit? Just win the fucking game. <laughs> and I think that Doc Rivers is a smart enough coach and has been in situations like that where he he already yeah, knows what he's right. going to do in that situation. Right. He doesn't need to tell you after game four of a Wizards, of the Wizards' yeah. first round. He, and who he, knows? If you wash out against the Nets, you know, who knows what Maury's plan is with Ben Simmons. And I know there is talk a lot about, like, preserving Ben Simmons' image. Uh, just to leave that kind of escape hatch if if we need it. I mean, going back to, we, we, I mean, there was conversations that Ben Simmons was basically gone for for James Harden, like that the conversations sort of had been had and that that, that deal fell apart. Yeah, well, um, you know. Late, late in the, in the process, like really in the process. So, um, you know, it's the sort of thing where we know that Ben Simmons may have even already had the phone call where it was like, hey, man, you're you're gone to Houston or whatever. Um, so I think that there was a certain, or there is a certain philosophy probably in that front office that of the, of the higher pieces on the, on the, on the trophy shelf or on the mantle, um, that Ben Simmons might be the one that you're willing to be like, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what, what were you thinking? What would make an offer? Yeah. Well, Boston's hanging around in this game. Maybe we'll see if they can uh, they can force a game six. Hey, let's talk about – and this kind of started – I feel like for us this kind of started, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago with the Phillies. Um, but there's been a lot of, like, fan misbehavior going on around professional sports lately. And the Phillies had a game where two people ran on uh, to the field. Um, and now, you know, in the NBA season we've got – people spitting on people throwing popcorn um running onto the court we saw last night yeah. or attempting to run on the court which is wild i don't know if i've seen uh I've never that seen recently. didn't get very far either um but thoughts on this is this just like uh pandemic oh, i need to like, express myself somehow <laughs> i i think you're right um i i think oh, I like the, the like pantomiming uh, Lord, heal, heal my center. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna uh, uh, slip that in this uh, this Sunday <laughs> for uh, resolution. Your guys slip that in. If Embiid's still a question on Saturday or Sunday or Friday evening, whenever you know local congregations worship around Philadelphia, regardless of the denomination of the of the religion, it's gonna be in the service. Like if if Embiid still question oh, mark yeah. when they do Sunday, like the special, and yeah. especially our yeah, <laughs> yeah, some kind of go up favorite Cameroonian, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we were distracted by more prayers for um for Joel, Dave, you had mentioned um bad fan behavior yeah. like Russell Westbrook coming to get your popcorn, and I do think it is. It is. We've been locked up for a year. You know, they they talk about um, there's this thought a few years back that fan behavior at stadiums in general was getting worse or more drunken because ticket prices were going up and this was becoming more of a special occasion. So people would 
go all out and they drink a lot and they get crazy and they go, Hey, I paid uh, my money okay. to be here. I see what you're so I'm exactly. I paid for this. And, <laughs> um, and they're going to let loose and we've been cooped up for a year. This summer's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, it, it is. It's if you are vaccinated and out and about, I, I've been telling hot vaccinated yeah. summer. Oh yeah, it's gonna be like VE VE day out there. Like you're going to grab random people in the streets, and it's gonna be okay for one summer only. So I think I think be prepared to see more of this, and especially what we saw the other night in DC. That scared the hell out of me. That felt like shades of Monica Sellis. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. It, it did not feel safe. It didn't feel you know. As as much as it's awful to to pour popcorn on somebody or spit on somebody or do something like that, this felt dangerous. But uh, I I think we're going to see more of it and <laughs> until life really does feel normal again. Well, here's kind of my fear. Um, can we stop pretending we didn't enjoy the popcorn on Westbrook? Eh, okay, this is a little little part of me enjoyed it. Uh, but here's my fear. My fear is that basketball stops. Um, being the accessible sport that it is. I mean, it is the game where you sit the closest, you know? I mean, like, there's no divide. There's no net. There's no glass. Um, there's no, you know, parts or spatial distancing from, from there. Like, in the other sports, you are on top of the action, or you can be if you have, you know, the, you know. Um, but will, do you think you would ever see basketball – do something to protect the players. Like, I don't know, put them in a box or something. Well, I mean, I mean, like, like you said, they, they have sort of created a barrier, uh, a tour entry. Uh, it's, it's those seats are, uh, as a friend of ours would say, those, sir, those seats are expensive. Um, so, so you just can't be an asshole. You got to be a rich asshole to pull this yeah, kind of stuff. So I think what, what and what, rich what, people are like, never assholes. Uh, so. Right. I think what the implication there is that, that the NBA has, has sort of had this belief that if you're willing to shell it out, that you're not going to risk um, that sort of embarrassment. Then what the NBA is realizing is people have very little shame at this point. Um, uh, you know, you were talking about fears. One of the things that so I, I think sold my Dodge coin for these tickets. <laughs> there, there's um, there's a there's an office coin? somewhere I think in ESPN sure. where um, there's a very short man because uh, it's all it's a short man's disease. Um, where they're sitting around waiting for something talk to about happen it, in, an, in an arena uh, where a Philly team is playing, where they can be like, aha, aha, snowballs at Santa. Yeah, let's get it going. <laughs> so um, I have to, I have to, Gene, uh, Gene, uh, Gene talked about snowballs at Santa, so I had to remove them from the, the stream. That's a violation. I'm not just kidding. <laughs> Gene, that's lazy. That's lazy reporting. You can't bring but up. But I mean, it doesn't it always seem like anytime there's any sort of bad fan behavior that that it doesn't really get to a fever pitch until a Philadelphia fan has done something poor. You know what I mean? There there have been lots of incidents all over that this sort of thing has been happening, but not until West Westbrook gets popcorn uh, does it really start to get forefront on the national conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, look, I've gone to a lot of games and, you know, you know, the old like Philly thing, right? When they announce an, an opposing player, everyone yells, sucks, right? Like, oh, bro, you know, Russell Westbrook sucks, you yeah. know? And the, I mean, like my kids even do it and I let them do it because it's, you know, part of the experience. And, you know, we've always been hard on the opposition and, and I think that that's Fine. I, I don't know that that encourages people to be physical towards the opposition or throw the look popcorn. I think in the grand scheme of things is pretty innocuous. I mean, you didn't throw like a beer can full of beer or um, a battery or snowballs or, or you know, so, like nothing was going to actually hurt him physically. It, it was wildly inappropriate, completely disrespectful, you know, all that stuff. But in the grand scheme of things now spitting on a player is another level. Um, 
you know, attempting to tackle her or who knows what that guy was trying to do uh, in Washington. And who knows? He could have been a Philly fan for all I know. There's a lot there. Um, You you don't know what the intent is on uh, on a lot of this stuff. I like to know how a stadium enforces a lifetime ban. How does that work? I imagine poorly. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) although... Like, you don't have to show ID to get into the building. And so you can get banned from buying tickets through the the official website, but buying them on the secondary market, I don't know how you stop that, having your friend buy them for you. And right now I feel like I'm talking about, like, handguns. Like, okay, there's going to be a string purchase, um, but it, it would be easy to, to get in. I think you just have to be on your best behavior. And I feel like once you get thrown out of one stadium, you're either going to do it again or, or going to be um, on your, on your best behavior. Um, Thoughts com- on this comment here, because um, Aiden says here, I love that we as Phillies fans are douchebags. We're sore losers. We're the worst winners. It's the way it should be. Snowballs, popcorn, middle fingers, etc. It's not like he punched them. Thoughts on like just own it, Philly. Like at this point, you're never gonna wash it off. the The national media is never going to say like we've turned a corner with Philly fans, um, or they're never gonna say everywhere this happens everywhere. It's not just Philly. It's never gonna happen. So you know what? Like fuck it, man. Like let's just own this shit, and we're you know don't come here. Don't come here and think you're going to get an easy way because it's going to be hard on you from the second you walk into that arena to the second you get on the bus to leave. And even then, it might get bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Gene take it first. But, um, but I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that sentiment. I can go in more detail uh, in a moment. But, Gene, I'll, I'll let you start on it. I, I think that, um, I think that I absolutely felt this way for a long time. And I think that what really turned me around was, honestly, and uh, not to bring the, the whole the whole vibe down, but I heard a story uh, about that Hank Aaron told when he was talking about when he broke the home run record. Um, and if you remember famously, when he's rounding the bases after he broke Babe Ruth's record, um, he's actually approached as he's coming around, I think, second base yeah. I think that early, where he was approached by two fans, uh, not journalists, two, two fans um, yeah. in, in the stadium. I mean, and, everyone's seen that highlight. Like, you know what we're talking about. What, Aaron, what Hank Aaron said in the interview that I saw was, you know, ra- he said that, you know, he had anxiety. He had a fear for his life when he sees these people coming out of nowhere. And the, the, the idea that in that moment where he is the only person that is ever going to experience, like, in the on the planet, he is the only person that's going to ever experience what it feels like to ba- break Babe Ruth's home run record. He's the only one that ever gets to do it. And instead of being able to just have a pure emotional response in that moment, he had to worry about, am I about to get stabbed? In the what could be the emotional pinnacle of human experience, he's got to worry, are these two chuckleheads going to come and stab me? Like, there is something about that particular instance that sort of crystallized for me that there are moments where you have to allow the players and the game to, con- to, to to proceed without your interaction as the fan. Like I am all for being like the 12th man or the sixth man or the, however, or, you know, whatever extra, uh, the, the extra goalie in hockey. Um, but to a certain degree, like the, the game itself between the lines, there has to be a certain reverence, where you don't impose some sort of change of direction in the game because of your fandom. Um, and ask Bartman about that, because he'll tell you. Because um, he got a lot of <laughs> shit for uh, for what he did. And I don't even think what he did was necessarily wrong. Um, so think, that's sort of my take. Like, I, I think that absolutely oh God, I like a that we have, have a reputation, but I also would like it – and, and I'm not, there's not a particular Philadelphia example where we, we interfered in a game and changed the outcome. But I really do like the idea that the game itself is not going to be tainted by bad fans. Yeah, and I, I don't want that. And I think 
But I think there's a line, and I think for a long time, and for the most part, Philadelphia gets that line right. You know, it's... I love the Philadelphia attitude, not just as a Philadelphia sports fan, but, um, you know, the, the, the line that we know what's being a enthusiastic, intimidating crowd versus what's taking it too far. You know, I, I think that line between sports hate and real hate, it's unfortunately in this world where everything's so magnified and polarized, sometimes they do come scary close together, but harmless sports hate where you don't truly hate the person, but you're going to, I'm going to boo you until I'm hoarse. You know, I love, you know, going to a, a Flyers, Penguins, Flyers, Rangers, Flyers, Devils game. And then the next Just don't day, eat the horse shit. That won't help. Yeah, don't eat the horse shit, no. but um, don't punch a horse cop. <laughs> don't punch anybody, like, unless they punch first. Then we can talk. But No punching in the face. No punching in the face. It's the number one rule of fighting your friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but knowing the line and coming yeah. right up to it with the threat of going over it but not actually doing it, it's a big difference than... We're going on the field, that's Bush League. That's stupid. When, right. you know, in the height of the Phillies' popularity, where it was a big thing to to run onto the field, you know, and the kid got tased, good. He deserved it. And oh, we God, should... I totally forgot about that. Oh, I won't. That image is burned into my <laughs> mind. <laughs> I think that the... But I think the fans are a part of sports, and it, they're an important part of sports. And live fans... I mean, make a world of difference. We, we spent a year watching sports with no fans, and it definitely took away from the experience a lot. Like, I thought I was going to have – I thought I was going to be inter more interested because I was going to, like, hear a little bit more of the game and stuff. It's like, nah, man, I'll take the fans every time. And I think a lot of those highlights, you know, Gene, like you talked about the Hank Aaron, you know, and the when the band comes on the field or, like, when when the – you know, uh, uh, they, they remember we used to, like – we used to have the goalposts torn down when there was like mm -hmm. a big upset and stuff like that stuff's awesome, man. I, I like, I miss that stuff. And I just wish that people, you know, people were, were cool about it. So we didn't have to think someone's life was in, in danger whenever this kind of crap happens. It's just like sucks. Can we, you know, I wish it was back when, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. You yeah, can I run mean, on the field without. Hank Aaron was sort of a good example because, um, you know, I, you, nobody's going to accuse that that of being a new a new right. highlight. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, of it's course. sort of something that's always been part. But like of, you, you, you're so like you're so invested in it that you want to be a part of it. Like you're so invested in it that their success is your success, and like you feel like you've done just as much work and put in just as much time and, and effort into being a fan as as they have into being a player. And you know that's why we say we. And I don't. I never begrudge somebody for saying we because I feel like it's a community, and I'm part of that community. And I, you know, I live and die with these teams, just like the players do. Sometimes more than the players do. Uh, so, goddamn right, I'll say we because that's I'm part of this thing, and you know, so is everybody else that that's a that's a fan of the team. So, I, like, I understand like that. that. I just don't yeah. understand like the the look at me aspect of going onto the field or doing some shit like that. That's the biggest F you when somebody says to you, like, oh, well, what, what position did you play? What, what position did you yeah, play? Yeah, you huh? don't get oh, it, were you the shortstop? Like, yeah, you, you, then you don't get it. Yeah, it, it, that's long been the position of the podcast. And for anyone, we are all about we. And my, you know, it, it works on a visceral level. But from an intellectual one, they are the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. the Philadelphia Six, 76ers, the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but they they are representing our city or at least our television market. And, you know, until they become the Comcast Sixers, they're ours. They're there. They they represent Philadelphia. We are playing that game. Who is playing Philadelphia? I've never been on the Sixers. I never will be on the Sixers, but I can claim this town, this area, this city as my home. 
And as long as they're wearing the name of our city on their jerseys, then we get to say we. And there is no, that's why there is nothing worse than someone who is born and raised within the friendly confines of the Philadelphia area and the suburbs, but insists on rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. Those people specifically are the worst. If you live in Dallas and root for the Cowboys, well then, well then I mean, I sort of get it. But if you grew up in Roxborough sort of and decide it. that you want to wear a Troy Aikman jersey to school, uh, I have no, I have no affection for you. You, you are garbage. You're a garbage human. You have decided <laughs> that you want to literally root against everyone else. You just want to be a contrarian, and I hope that that is why I hate the Cowboys because as long as they lose, those people are not right. There is nothing right. worse than watching those, those handful of scumbags <laughs> celebrate at your party. I don't want to get into all the scenario. Like, well, what if your dad was from Texas and uh, he's in the FBI and he got relocated to Philly and then uh, he raised you as a Cowboy fan? You do you not sort of. All right, I don't want to get into this. Um, I do want to spend like a little bit of time. Like, yeah. I'm I'm actually gonna uh, cut the Phillies out of this episode because I was all wound Thank up you. about them today. <laughs> And then, of course, they come out with a, a great performance uh, today. They were winning like 8-3 when I switched over to the Celtics. Hopefully uh, – okay, we got Ranger Suarez in there in the seven. So hopefully they don't do – they're winning 10-3 right now. Hopefully they don't do anything to get me twisted in the last 15 minutes of this episode, and then we'll go for two hours. Uh, but I do want to talk about the Naomi Osaka um, mm. events from this week because it does – like it does – it's certainly um, – it's it's discussion worthy uh, topic. So Sarah, why don't you lay out what what happened at Roland Garros uh, this week? Uh, I'm happy to. Uh, this was going to be my penalty box if we didn't talk about yes, it on the show tonight. <laughs> I had plenty others. There's so many things that make me mad. Um, but so um, if you do not know, uh, Naomi uh, Osaka. Um, she is a prominent uh, women's tennis player. I believe she is the uh, second-ranked uh, uh, women's tennis player in the world right now. She has sat at number one. She's won four Open tournaments. And going into Roland Garros, uh, going into the French Open, she put out a, a statement. Um, I, I saw it on social media. I think that's how she put it out, but it's neither really here or there how she did, and saying she will not be talking to the media. She, she recognizes that this is something that's being asked of her, but for her mental health, she is choosing not to do it. She's willing to accept the fines, but she, she suffers from anxiety and does not, will not um, do press conferences after her matches. And I believe she completed one match. She won uh, early, early round match if you know, it would be, phenomenal if she lost not not phenomenal in a good way notable very notable if she lost and didn't do uh press was fined fifteen thousand dollars and i don't know what organizations said it but i believe it was um the the grand slam tournament said that more fines would be coming and she could potentially be disqualified from other tournaments and in response to that she dropped out she said, I am not going to compete in the French Open um, for the sake of my mental health. And I encourage everyone to read her statements, um, get her, her take firsthand as opposed to my poor paraphrasing of it. But she has left the tournament um, because of the threat of stiffer fines and the distraction of her not doing press conferences. So, okay, so I have a couple questions. Um, so question number one is the sort of i feel like when i read the arguments you know the anti osaka arguments um this one headlines it she struggles on clay um let's will she do press conferences after matches in wimbledon where she has a lot of success i i haven't seen that take um and I don't – I'd say it's fair to ask, but perhaps not fair to accuse. 
Well, you I think know, you have to wait, right? Yeah, you, you do have to wait. And it's something worth wondering out loud. But it's not the most compassionate response. If someone says, this is my mental health here. You <laughs> Since know, when has go, this country's populace been compassionate about this kind of stuff? Oh, never. <laughs> never, never, never. You know, suck it up and deal. It's part of the job. You know, that's, well, that's the other argument, right? This is the job. It's got requirements. My job, you know, I have to give presentations at work and it's not an option for me to just go like, I don't like talking to people. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to walk away from it. Okay. I, and I want you to know I'm completely playing devil's advocate right now because I will say if I had to name 25 athletes that I get really excited to see, um, Naomi Osaka is actually on that list. Oh, she's great. I'm a big fan of hers. But I think the question for me comes down to do we want our elite athletes to be more exclusive or more inclusive? Because it becomes, you know, in the workplace, we are moving towards an area where we make accommodations for people. And for a long, long time, the mindset was, if you can't do the job, do a different one. And now in, in the workplace where the majority of us, you know, work, and, you know, I'm assuming that we don't have a lot of professional athletes listening to us tonight, but... People do make accommodations for people with physical handicaps. They make accommodations for people with mental health issues. They make accommodations to make a, a more welcoming workplace, you know, a more diverse workplace. So that's something we're moving to in ordinary life. And it hasn't quite hit professional sports. We have things like the you can play movement, you know, to say, hey, we don't care about somebody's you know, sexuality, gender identity, we all we care about is whether you can play. That hasn't reached mental health yet, or or we're having that conversation now. Because it used to be, if you are an elite athlete, part of your job description is talking to the media, and we don't care if you don't like it, you can go up there and be Mike Richards, and have a scowl on your face, and give one word answers. But or Marshawn Lynch, right? Or I'm Marshawn Lynch. I'm right. here just so I don't get fined. Um, <laughs> but Check the have, box, baby. <laughs> you have somebody who is being open and honest and saying, my mental health struggles. And I'm assuming she's being honest. I'm assuming she's not using this as a crutch because, well, that's what we're supposed to do when someone tells us they're sick. You know, you don't go, hmm. I'm going to need to see your blood work before I think you have diabetes. You know, like you assume somebody is telling you the truth Rude. when they talk about their mental health. Um, and Gene has sent me his, his blood work and I, I now he's now allowed to snack during the show, but, <laughs> but even right there, right there, let's think about something accommodations. They're having a water bottle on the back of your net was for a goalie and I forget what he had, but he was facing dehydration issues. So he put a, a water bottle on the back of the net. Now every goalie in the league has it. And for, for Naomi to go, I'm struggling with my mental health. I can't do the press conferences. Maybe the response response shouldn't be, well, we're going to find you until you do. And then you might not be able to play. Maybe it should be, let's find out how you can meet your obligation to be available to press in a way that isn't destructive to your mental health. And, you know, maybe that's she sits down with one reporter and that one reporter fields questions from the field. Maybe it's on delay. Maybe it's something that's different. Maybe it's with cameras off. I don't know. But it's making an accommodation to allow more athletes to, to do what they do best and to to allow them to not buckle under the other burdens that aren't just playing the game. Here's what I find funny. The shut up and ball crowd. Yeah. Right. You want to talk about, you know, political feelings or, you know, any of this stuff. it's like, Hey, you're an athlete. Shut up and ball. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's actually all she wants to do is shut up and ball. Um, and if I feel like, 
the anger about this is coming from the shut up and ball crowd, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, that's just what I'm, I'm picking up. And it's just like, well, just let the people, play. Like, honestly, I don't give a shit. Like when, when is the last like post game press conference that somebody actually took seriously that you're like, you know, Oh my God. Like I got such insightful information about that. Like, Oh, you hit the ball over the net. Like, how did you do it? Like, what, what was your strategy? <laughs> I, well, I wanted to hit the ball. over. The, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that, um, and especially the thing that I think that is interesting in this particular and just so team, Aiden in, the, in the chat knows, I am also a, I am a registered Republican. So I am, uh, I, am <laughs> I, um, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, I think there have been other examples, and I'm struggling to think of one now, where there have been athletes that have not wanted to do uh, press conferences. There have been male athletes that have not wanted to do press conferences. Um, and I think that it's refreshing that somebody has finally had the um, had the courage to, to be like, look, like I, I, this is just something that I struggle with, and this is why I don't want to do it. Uh, I don't think that anybody would choose if they just were looking to – to, to weasel out of a, a press conference to choose like I'm gonna go with I'm I, I have mental illness or I'm gonna, I'm no, gonna yeah no, to make not lying own. about it you know what I mean like that doesn't seem like the kind of thing where you're going to draw less attention to yourself you know what I mean like I think if you're ob objectively trying to sort of take the spotlight away from yourself you're not going to come out with sort of a a take that's going to sort of invite more questions um, so yeah. I think that that's an interesting thing. I think that what we also need to look at is, especially if you look at um, some of the bigger team sports where you're going to have these experiences, and Terrell Owens sort of jumps out in my mind as somebody that sort of is the uh, the opposite side of this coin, that I think that what we don't, what we've never sort of really understood is that there are going to be certain athletes that by the nature of their own insecurities or anxieties or whatever that they are going to, instead of like shy away from these sorts of things, that they are going to amplify their character to almost cartoonish levels to sort of compensate for what is clearly some sort of anxious feelings that they aren't, they aren't coping with well. Um, Terrell Owens in the, the, the whole press conference in the, in the driveway sort of is the prime example of, of somebody that clearly that's, that's that's anxiety sort of coming out in a very it's more like, like please, stop talking, way, please stop talking you know? please stop talking <laughs> stop talking stop talking but here's where I draw the line a coach can never pull this totally off the table coach needs to face the media every time and that's where all the gold comes from anyway that's where you get all of your famous like post game quotes that's where you get playoffs we're talking about playoffs, <laughs> you know, the, you play to win the game or like, you know, we are who they thought that like all those great quotes come from the coaches. The players are just like, blah, 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 yeah. whatever. I take it one game at a time. Blah. I don't want to hear that stuff anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to jump on like two things with that one. I, I think the you can make the obligation. You have to be available to the media, and then work with the individual to go. Okay, if your anxiety doesn't let you do this, can we do that? What work with it on a, a person by person basis? I would imagine just by the nature of coaching, it would be less inclined to come up. But again, the coach should have to face the media if some coach is crippled by stage fright or whatever the case may be, maybe an assistant coach can do it. Or, or we'll, right now we're dealing with hypotheticals. It's not bad. Right now we're dealing with hypotheticals. Um, but also the one thing that can't be ignored is who uh, Naomi Osaka is. If you're unfamiliar with her, um, she is she represents Japan in her play. She is... Uh, has a Haitian father, a Japanese mother, and grew up in New York. Um, and she has been, uh, she was very outspoken with uh, Breonna Taylor and Black Lives Matter. And part of this is 
she was almost the wrong mouthpiece for this to avoid criticism. She, the, the shut up and ball, you know, contingent, you know, there's going to be another contingent that said, oh, now you don't want to talk. You know, you were outspoken about these social issues, but now you don't want to talk. And if that question comes from an honest place, I don't think it's a bad one. You might notice the theme here that if people are being genuine and trying to work through these things, I personally want to give them a, a long leash. I, I want there to be an allowance to ask the questions and maybe get it wrong. But if they're receptive to listening, I think it's a game changer. Um, Marnie, uh, Martina Navratilova, her take on it um, wasn't great. But I see her get blasted for certain things. And Billie Jean King. Billie Jean King is a national fucking treasure. And her take on it was, hey, I know it's tough, but it's something we all have to do. And they're like, I can't believe, believe Billie Jean King let us down. But and everything she does lets you know that this is not a person without compassion. You know, maybe you go to someone like Billie Jean King and go, okay, here's what she thinks. She said, hey, we had to fight long and hard to get people to pay attention to the women's game as much as they did the men's. Sorry, I, I, I know this is hard, but I want you to do it. And I'm putting words in her mouth, but that was the sentiment. And we should go, thank you, thank you, Billie Jean. Here's something you might not consider, as opposed to, see, Billie Jean doesn't care. You know, that conclusion... Again, it is supposing malice, is supposing someone being disingenuous. Whereas I, I think, and I don't know why I think this, but I think, Lord help me, people are mostly good. And that if we do try to be understanding, and if we do try to make allowances for people, nine times out of ten, you're going to be rewarded. So I, I think... She, I feel for her. My heart goes out to her. My heart breaks for her. But it was just a perfect storm of how this could go poorly, and it did. Well, let's take a departure from this and go to where people are mostly bad in the penalty box. All right. Thank you, Dave. And I'm going to return serve right back to you. Uh, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? Okay, I am going to put uh, myself in the penalty box. And um, uh, my, so my mother today sent me a drawing uh, that I did when I was very young, I think maybe six years old. And I want to bring it up on screen now. And here it is. And uh, I would like the two of you to do maybe a little breakdown of what was, what what where I went wrong with this picture, maybe um, what my psycho my uh, uh, my psycho my psychological state was when I was doing this picture because I don't think any of my children would draw a picture like this. <laughs> Just my first first blush at this picture that you know that I see, I have the Phillies losing. <laughs> which to me is very telling <laughs> well i see i look at it and it looks like they're in the midst of a comeback although that ball is totally getting caught by golly if that <laughs> if that is if that is golly's name wait well no uh, so the to, right to team me, they, i guess the, would be the, in the offense here or i'm sorry the melts are uh <laughs> are in the offense <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the Phillies are uh, the Phillies are playing the field. Uh, at least that's that's the way it looks to me. And right. um, I believe that is yet another home run because uh, the left fielder is saying out of orbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no one can say that you didn't know what your lot in life was going to be, Dave. Because <laughs> at a very early age, you, the Phillies are only down by one run, but it looks like. At least three runs will score. I have a little hard telling. If, yeah, if, telling. There's, if they're the batter is still in the batter's box, that's a grand slam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're going down uh, like 13, 13 to 8 here at the very least. This is probably a, um, uh, a, 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 a,
<laughs> Alvarado, Alvarado. Lone State. Yeah, go. I got it. I got I got there eventually. So um I think I my know. favorite. I, maybe favorite I, maybe I don't is, go in the penalty box. I'm so prescient in my um Do do you see down the bottom at the what I assume can only be the Phillies dugout, which apparently <laughs> has been buried um along the border where I mean the Mets have a bench at least. Um, but somebody from the Phillies bench is calling for a new ball um, because clearly the one that they have is 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 out of here. It's out of orbit. Um, at first, I thought these were the people's names, which I think would have been even better uh, if the second baseman's name was G. Um, <laughs> it's almost like a part of my name. Almost, it almost. Yeah, I was wondering um, if that was the it's more, fielder. It's or more the of the dialogue baseman. of what everyone was saying. Um, so I think the other thing the Phillies uh, have run into an issue with is I don't think that they have enough fielders. I, I feel like they're lacking, <laughs> they're lacking some bodies. They should really think about investing in a second baseman. I mean, and at this time, the Phillies had a pretty good second baseman, uh, named Juan Samuel. I think that's probably why the melts, uh, are doing so well, because this is right around the era of the 86 miracle melts. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably why they were so popular. I wonder if that's um, uh, the the great uh, the great grilled cheese uh, Gary Carter there at the uh, at the plate that's hitting this home run. Well, he just cranked a granny and he says neat. <laughs> All right. Well, and if it says anything about what I imagine you as a child, I I'm assuming that was sarcasm. <laughs> uh, I, oh, that's good. It's good. I like it. Yeah. So, um. Dave, I'm going to get you out of the penalty box. That was too precious for words. Um, so, and real quick, I'm sorry to the people who just listened to the show and don't stream it. You are getting homework. When you get in front of a computer, please either go to the painted line. We can post it on the Facebook page. Oh, please do. Yeah. Please do. It's, it's, you need the visual there. So, um, no penalty, no penalty for, uh, <laughs> for Dave DiOrio. Um, Get back to your bench. Take the warning. Um, Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? So and this is something that sort of frustrates me. And I, I think the um, uh, the, the person or, or, or concept I'm putting in the pencil penalty box is like the renaming of, of classic sporting events. Um, I knew that the French Open was held at Roland Garros, but like I had never in my life until recently, like the last couple of days, ever heard of the event referred to as the place it was. Now, I know that they do that for Wimbledon. It's not called, like, the English Open um, for tennis. But the French Open was the French Open my whole life. The U.S. Open is not called um, the Arthur Ashe Open or whatever because of that's where – isn't that the name of the, the – where it is in Queens up by mm -hmm. where it used to be? It was something that we always talked about going to do. I, we should probably seriously think about doing that. Um but the other, the other one, the other good example, the one that frustrates me the most is that now the British Open golf tournament is just called the Open, which it's like, you, you know, now you're just making me, you've already got me up at 4 a.m. watching golf, and now you're just trying to confuse me. Um, so it, I don't get why. I'm, I'm going to be the one that's going to continue to screw it up. I don't know if there's. Uh, a reason why I have to start calling the French Open something else now. Um, it's always going to be the one that's on the different courts uh, to me um, that I've never I've never played on a clay court. It looks like fun. Um, so, yeah, that's my penalty box for tonight. Okay. So, uh, in Gene's penalty box this evening is changing up things for no good reason. He doesn't like it when you rebrand. You're getting rebranded for two minutes into the penalty box. Sarah, who's in your penalty box? God, I don't know. <laughs> I had several. That's all the time we have. <laughs> we can ditch it. We can ditch it. We can go. But um, the the one I will say is uh, the what's going in the penalty box this evening is the battle between hockey and basketball. You're welcome to your preference, but I am done. I am sick. I am over the, oh, hockey is so much better because of this, or basketball is so much better because of that. And one of the reasons is because it's such a 
charged argument. It didn't feel that way at the time. When I was in high school, I'm a huge hockey fan. Obviously, I still am. And I was like, yay, yay, yay. My sport is best. And what I was unaware of at the time is, yay, yay, yay. The white rich sport is best. <laughs> so whether you're intending to have that conversation or not, just let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. You don't need to argue that your sport's better than the other or that there's some natural rivalry. You can like hockey and basketball. You can just like basketball. You can just like hockey. You can love curling. So let people enjoy what they enjoy. Stop um, coming up with false narratives of combative natures. You're getting a two-minute penalty for unintentional race baiting. That's rather extreme for two I minutes. I, I was, I, I was just going to say, like, hey, don't don't yuck someone else's yum. There we go. Let's take this back so, to grade school. Is that a little nicer? Is that a little that nicer? is. That is. All right, and and I'm here just like, oh, this all this stuff is just killing time between baseball seasons. So, <laughs> that's the way I feel about it. All right, that's that actually is all the time we have for tonight. Um, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, a special shout out tonight to Paul, Aiden, Jay Lutt, Sarah B, Basilios, and Tim for all joining us in the conversation tonight. Thanks so much for watching and commenting. Um, if you have any more time in your podcast listening week, be sure to check out the Whip Around uh, for all the week's weird news. And please, please, please subscribe to the Painted Lines uh, on YouTube or wherever you consume your social media for wall-to-wall Philly sports coverage, uh, pop culture coverage. What else? We got gambling uh, shows, all kinds of uh, great content um, coming through on the Painted Line. So please subscribe there. <clears throat> we'll be back next Tuesday night at 9.15. As usual, hopefully we are in the middle of a round two playoff series by that point. Uh, we'll be talking uh, more Phillies. Um, who the heck knows what else is going to come up in the next <laughs> week? It's always like, you know, what is happening? Uh, all right. So until then, um, have a great day at work, everybody. Uh, we are out of here.